0: Hello and welcome to Spy Hard's podcast. I'm Agent Scott and I'm Cam the Provocateur and we're here celebrating 150 episodes of Spy Hard's podcast by taking a look at 1994's Luc Besson film Léon the Professional. We have a very special spy master interview for you all.
1: Yes, we are talking to Sylvie Landra, the editor of Leon the Professional, and also movies like The Fifth Element, The Messenger, The Story of Joan of Arc, and Catwoman. When it comes to action films, it's hard to
0: deny that Leon the Professional is not one of the best ones ever made, and I think a lot of that has to do with the editing. So I think without further ado, Cam, let's roll that interview. And joining us now on the show, the editor of this week's film, Leon the Professional, it is Miss Sylvie Landra. Hello, Sylvie. How are you?
2: I'm very good. Thank you. And yourself?
0: Loving life. And uh, you're going to bring some class to the joint here, some actual knowledge to the show because Cam and I have none. So it's nice to have a professional in our ranks for once. (laughs) Thanks. (laughs) Now, um... Obviously, we're talking about uh, The Professional, Leon The Professional, Leon this week's got many titles, which we'll get to in a minute. But the first question I always have, and I think it's it's a good question to sort of get your story, is what made you want to get into filmmaking in the first place?
2: It's very funny, uh, this question, because I never really thought about it. And of course, knowing I was about to talk to you, I had to think about it. And um, I came across uh, something quite interesting a few months ago at my parents. I found a a letter I I probably haven't sent because I could read it to a friend of mine. And I was explaining to her that I have edited, and I think I was about 10 years old, uh, a version of um, something I heard in, in a museum. Uh, and I thought, okay, I didn't remember. I was already, already editing. And of course, at that time, I was not editing anything. I mean, it was just recording on a tape recorder. Some you know, ent- interesting um, uh, guy was talking about dinosaur or something like that. So I, I guess... Um, that was something that was in my mind for a long time, but kind of not even being aware of, because uh, when I was at uh, high school, I followed a biological, you know, way, which mm-hmm. I left. Were there, <laughs> obviously, um, and in fact, I think it, it, it is something that was. You know in me because my 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 father, like a lot of people at that time, were recording our holidays on an eight sure. uh, millimeter camera, and I remember all the the big protocol of watching the the holidays and and the projector it was jamming and you know the smell of uh, the glue taping all those the those bits and pieces and I think I even remember we had at one point some cartoons that he found in a flea market. And so with my sister, we were, you know, at night putting the lights down and watching that black and white, I think it was a, a bit of Walt Disney, the, uh, the, the, the one, 101 Dalmatian, I think, but it was just a, a snippet of it. Mm-hmm. So, I, I, and, I, and I remember I was, uh, I was uh, inventing story with slide films, and with my recorder, I was making noise. So I think I was, you know, kind of in a natural way, very in, in, interested into stories, storytelling. However, I did it, and 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 then at one point, you know, uh, when I was about, you know, eighteen or something, uh, I went to Paris because I was raised in Marseille, in the mm. south of France, and cinema. Mm uh if you want to do something in the cinema you know in the film industry you had to go to paris like in a lot of big country big cities are there so i went there and not knowing anything my parents were not in the movie business at all and i knocked at different doors uh and some opened luckily uh, and my first job as an editor uh, was at the National radio, and I uh, was very, always very um, interested into music and proposed a, mus- a, a program about Afghanistan and the women singing songs while the, the men were at the war. Which the country was uh, in a long period of wartime. Mm -hmm. Um, And they did say yes. And so uh, here I am just with my uh, recorder uh, and came back and learned how to cut the bits and pieces to tell the story. And and that was the first thing I have edited. And then I wanted to learn. I I think I was very hungry to hit the world and learn as much as I could. And I found another place where they proposed to me an internship and they were doing cable tv into um, a building and so we were doing programs and there i f- you know tried everything the sound the, the camera behind be- be in front of the camera so there are places where i felt really comfortable and places where i didn't and i ended up on an editing bench and i think at that point uh, i said you know that's i fell in love with my job and i never quit it ever since
1: and now you're here.
2: And <laughs> here I am.
1: <laughs> Did you grow up with like favorite movies or was that something that kind of just came from learning editing and then moving into movies?
2: Yeah, no, I, I, it it's very it's very funny because we I think going to the cinema was something we were doing quite uh not really uh often with my family, but it was uh a moment a very big moment for us so but no i and i really learned my craft while i was doing it
1: that's interesting
0: it's it's funny because you talk about how the those those moments in your youth that maybe led you here cutting together those home movies and cutting together the, the comic and and a bit you did from the museum as well i i wonder what uh happened in cam and i's childhood where we were talking about spy movies every week that led us here. <laughs> I don't, I'll have to go and analyze that at some point. I'm not too sure. Um, and I, I want to touch, obviously we'll get into Leon, but you know, I, I didn't mention some of the other wonderful films you've worked on. Fifth Element, Joan of Arc, you know, you've got all kinds of, things. Catwoman as well. You worked on that as an editor, a list of films that I could get into. But I, looking at your IMDb and your credits, the, the thing that jumped out to me is very early on is there must've been some sort of meeting between you and Luc Besson.
2: Yeah. There was a meeting.
0: <laughs> yeah. So how did that how did that come to pass? Because I think that will lead beautifully into Leon.
2: Yeah. It's it, well as mentioning the the IMDb, you would have seen that it's the first long feature I've ever edited. Before I was editing a lot of documentaries, which I think is a very good school to tell story. Um, and many other things I probably edit what whatever could be edited. Uh, so, but i I met Luke uh, while uh, editing a commercial. Mm-hmm. That's how we met. And you know there are few people in life where you do click. Mm-hmm. You know, it, there is something you can't, you know, say why, how, and you know that and that was it, it, he's he is one of those um encounter that count in your life and, and in, in in this case count a lot. Uh and after that um commercial, Luke it was I mean he's and was and he's still a very prolific. And so he was doing a lot of things, um pop promos. The commercials, um, and so, uh, the uh, we edited together many things. He, he did promo reels that to present, like, kind of a pitch, and we've done a lot of them. And one day I was editing a promo somewhere else, and he called me. And well, actually, it's a, it was a time where we didn't have any, um. A mobile phone. We had a, a tape recorder at home, so he left me a message saying, "Do you want to get my next movie?" And um, well, obviously, I said yes. Um, and and here we go. That's that. was that was the starter. Of course, it, it was um, a a big surprise because it was. Luke was a very successful and very established director already. And it was my first uh, long feature. So, of course, it was, a, it was a sign of a big trust and a huge challenge for, for me. And it was a double big challenge because it was also the first time um, Léon is one, and if not the one, one of the first ones of films that have been edited on a virtual editing. Oh, okay. So the workflow had to, had to be invented. Nobody had has done that before in Europe, at least, and so that was a that was a huge huge challenge.
1: That's really daunting. Not just taking on such a big movie, but also learning an entire new way of editing in a way with technology that's not particularly well used at the time. That's insane. No.
2: Well, that was the, the good side of it is the the avid um, people technician engineer were with us they, I mean, they came to paris we built together a workflow uh, with the, the with the lab and so that was a, it was a big uh, moment of everybody you know supporting us helping us and uh, that was very exciting and very scary. Yeah, Michael Phillips was the, the, the person who was there with us, which happens also to be half French and half uh, American. So that helps a lot. Uh, but it was also very, it was amazing. And he brought the engineer, fixed all the stuff that didn't work. And well, the first version of the Avid, it's really far, far, far away from what it is right now. So it's also interesting to think about it, like, you couldn't have all your dailies of all the film uh, at once. You, know, you have to start to cut the first part and then <laughs> take out the, the takes you didn't use to put the the rest of the dailies. So there was a huge a, a huge process to um, to organize. We have a funny story about the editing of that film.
1: Was there any like scary moments where you thought you'd lost something or anything like that? Hi- technical hiccups. Mm-hmm.
2: No, uh, never. The only big, huge uh, hiccup that makes me smile is because we had to do it like big in chunks. So you had we had two chunks: the first one and the the first part and the second part. You know, take everything, put some, make some room in the in the drives, and then uh, and then continue editing. And at one point, we glued the two pieces. You know. Uh, so we finished the second part, put the, the one and the second part together, watched the film. Okay, we had to make some changes, of course, and uh, because it was the first time we watched it together. So it was late at night. We shut down the machine hmm. and came back the next morning. And I, <laughs> I started to well, switch on the machine and try to open the bin wouldn't open so the film we have kept was in the machine and i couldn't access it oh. and i was like okay well <laughs> and i didn't know why so that was quite stressful so of course i called David and said, oh it's because the ram memory is not big enough to open that huge bin so i had to run to and at that time we were editing in uh, in los angeles in the valley hills which was a nice editing room uh, and i had to run to good guys or i don't remember one facility to buy another ram memory open the machine put the ram memory just crossing fingers it will work and it did mm. <laughs> but that was i think well editing wise that, i think that was the scariest moment life-wise that editing uh was also we, we started the editing uh, in paris i mean Luke shot in New York Mm -hmm. uh, in the summer and came back to to Paris in July or something, and then finished it in Paris, in the studio at Épinay at Eclair. And um, uh, once the principal photography was finished, we flew back, we we flew, I mean, he flew back, but I flew for the first time in America, in, in Los Angeles, and um, three days after uh, we arrived, so it was my first time in America. So it's a lot of first time for me in that film. Um, uh, there was a huge earthquake.
1: <laughs> Perfect timing.
2: <laughs> yes. So, like a welcome welcome to L.A. Um, well, anyway, it's L.A. We knew it? there would, would be probably earth, an earthquake, but it was a huge one. And I remember waking up in the morning at four o'clock looking at the walls, like bouncing, like just trying to stand. And I was like, thinking, oh, what did I saw on TV that you have to do when you are on an earthquake? And what well, by the time I actually figured out well, fortunately it stopped. The kitchen, half of the furniture were in the middle of the kitchen, alarms went off. It was, and I received one, one and unique phone call for the last three days of the assistant because I had two crews, I have a crew in Paris because we were meant to go back to Paris to mix it. And I have a crew in LA and the assistant that then because of the time difference, the assistant called me at seven o'clock in the LA time saying, oh, we have a problem with the key code. And I was like, well, 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 well we're, we're not in that process. We had an earthquake. I'll tell you later about the key code. I don't, I don't figure, I don't know where I am. And, and they didn't believe me. They was like, yeah, sure, of course. <laughs> Well, I ended up spending the day um, playing tennis with Luke because there was no electricity. So, so that, the, 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 the editing was um, quite an adventure.
1: Wow.
0: <laughs> I mean, in terms of like the, the first, your first feature film, just just getting started, using a digital system basically for the first time, working with produce, like a director like Luke, and also having an earthquake, basically, in the process. A, a, a rocky start, but ultimately a very good film came from it. So uh, I, I guess these sort of trials build us up and help us become the people that we are. The question I want to ask you about sort of Leon, and we talk about Luke getting involved, obviously he found you through that, and this is yeah, he'd done some films before, so his name is, was pretty big, and yeah. For you, moving from sort of commercials to feature films, were you feeling quite a lot of pressure at that point or were you just sort of running headfirst into it and you were fine?
2: Well, you know, I I, I really had a pressure coming from everywhere, everywhere, especially coming from me, like being able mm. to actually uh, fulfill what I was expected to, to, to do. Yeah. Um, but, but that was kind of a big fuel actually, just mm-hmm. like, you know, it led me to the end of it. And, and also uh, nobody knew. I mean, nobody had reference uh, about how to do it. So we were building that workflow. So everybody was kind of very dubious that it would work. And it was also at a time where, you know, that, that the Avid was very at the early stage of, of, of its, uh, its life and people were kind of like okay would it work well, you know, a lot of people had to change the way they were working for years and that's a that's that's a huge a huge change it's, mm-hmm. I, I i actually think we kind of are in the same stage right now with the ai coming like how, how are we going to use that thing you know it's going to be helpful is it going is it scary um we can't ignore it anyway. So And and at, at that time, I think it was a little bit like that. And so the pressure was uh, normal uh, coming from everywhere, the producer, the, the line producers. And just like, I never followed the path of what was the life of an editor before at that time, which was being an assistant. I always have edited. I've never been the assistant of anybody. Uh, so people didn't really knew me uh so that was um that was quite challenging but i like it i like really liked it and also it was a blessing
0: you mentioned expectations of of yourself but maybe in the expectations from luke what was he looking for from the film what was he asking you in terms of editing and the sort of style he was going for what discussions were you having
2: well, I think the most important thing in uh, in Luke's film are very strong characters he he builds, mm-hmm. and and this film is uh, obviously um, based on on a very peculiar relationship, and I think um, Luke has a, a very special relation with the rhythm, kind of very it, I, I don't know. Maybe it's a, a theory that I'm just inventing, but the, the fact that he was um, a diver, the fact that breathing is something very important—it's very. He's he has a very organic way to work. Also, when he, when he shoots, he he operates the camera, so that makes him really close to the actors. He has a relationship very. Um, very close to, to his actors and making, you know, uh, living the, the, the film with them. And, and so that was what we were looking for while we were editing, uh, Leon, which is that very, um, uh, very subtle, uh, relation in between Natalie, I mean, uh, uh, Matilda and, uh, and Leon, uh, bringing some, uh uh, rocket uh, with uh, with Gary Oldman in between that relationship and and that that was the center of what we were building and so that's what we were looking at and music also um, is is a very big part of his work so I, I think I would say the rhythm of the film uh, and, and the organic way the film moves was at the center of, of our work and and. Uh, Luke and Luke and I probably shared that you know love for the music, uh, and 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 that's something you know we were doing a lot of research to put them tracks, and and he obviously had a big relationship with his composer Eric Serra, so uh, that you know working with Luke. Uh, it was an amazing experience because he was able to bring everybody at the table and, and work for the film. You know, breathe the film, live the film, eat the film, <laughs> the film, and, and and creatively, it's a very uh, amazing experience, and I really loved it.
1: We've talked to a few editors and. Often cases, the movie is very meticulously planned out where they know exactly what they want when they hit the editing room. And then there's others where they're trying to fail, you know find a balance between elements. And this movie really, I think, definitely juggles like the action movie aspect with the relationship aspect. Was that really well planned out going into the editing room, or was it a case where it was like trying to find the balance throughout the process?
2: no, it it was it was really in his mind uh, it It is something that was. Written in the script uh, and and more, even more uh, written in the dailies. He's really he's really working on his film f- for a long time and writing it, thinking about it. So he, he's really precise about what he wants to have at the end, uh, and, uh, and 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 uh, that's how he he goes with his actors. Uh, Playing with them, it's a it's a kind of a game that is engaging in a way, and um, that playful way of doing it, uh, and very intense, just like, but very playful way with the actors. I think he's an actor lover, so um, that's you know actors are the main core of the film anyway, of any film.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And this is Natalie Portman's big breakout movie. And I was just curious, as an editor, if there's like maybe a stronger sense of responsibility when you're editing a performance from like a young actor like this uh, in comparison to someone else, you know, like a a tried and true pro like Gary Oldman or something.
2: Well, the thing is that that was also Natalie's first movie. Uh, And for me, it was amazing to be there at the, the birth of an amazing actor. I mean, an amazing woman, and I know she's also directed movies and she's doing a lot of things and involving herself in a lot of action. So, while well, Leon was her first movie, and in a way, um, her acting was so strong that Gary Oldman and her were n- n- nearly at the same level. About the fact that she, she she was she was so amazing and and so uh, I I was actually blown by the the dailies because she was able to do that very intense scene when she had to go through the 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 pipes and she was crying and then as soon as you know we stopped the camera she was laughing like oh, that was cool and 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 it and it was. It's this ability to to embody that that character and then just get out of it the second we say cut—it's so great and and so yes, of course, you are But I think as an editor, we have the the big responsibility to bring the best of what an actor does, and that's a huge responsibility because they they're basically naked in front of everybody, and, and you know it's you really have to to make sure that you take what the best they have delivered and you know scrutinize everything to make them even better because sometimes you know that you do so many takes that you kind of lose yourself you try things and that was uh, the case I mean Gary Oldman is such an amazing actor uh, uh, that Uh, sometimes it's quite hard to decide which take you take because you know you you choose one and then the other one is also the evolution of the first one and there is another one that could work and it's it's just like being like a kid in a candy shop when you look at the (laughs) dailies
1: yeah i can only imagine the amount of different types of takes he would have given in that movie like was it comparable to something like chris tucker in the fifth element
2: oh yeah well in in a way yes it's it it is uh, that's that's the amount of creativity you are in front of and 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 it's so great to say to stop you know cutting the film and then think, oh maybe you can go a little bit higher and you have the higher you, you can you know fine tune uh, the performance, which is you know, you know uh, delightful for an editor uh, building the story right.
0: And I suppose sort of bouncing off of that a little bit, and you mentioned sort of Gary Oldman, Natalie Portman there, is there uh, a particular version of a scene that you were really passionate about that maybe didn't make the final cut? Obviously, a lot of it comes down to a collaboration with you and Luke as sort of what goes in the film. Is there something that you really champion that maybe didn't make the film a different cut of a scene or anything like that you can recall?
2: Not really, because in the end, we did a long version, so everything is in it. Mm. Um uh, and i i i really think that the reason why some of the the scenes left the, the first version was only due to the fact that they were, this was a neck pickup from sony and uh, it, it, we did some um, test screening where we had the, the version of the scene where she says that to Leon that she loves him and she mm-hmm. wants to be uh, uh, he, him to be her first lover. And that scene was not in the first version because uh, when we were in Orange County, uh, which was a, a, a big uh, novelty for me, watching the, the film at the test screening with 350 people giggling because they were really not comfortable with that scene. the studio said, let's get that scene out. So that was was a little bit um, uh, hard for us just to think, okay, can we do it? But we did it and I don't think the film suffer uh, that lack of scene. Um, So there is nothing I regret that was not in the first version also because when Rick was prepping the fifth element, he called me and said, let's do a long version. Let's put back. So it said, I can't, I can't be there because I'm prepping in London. So do it. So uh, we I put back a few scenes, the scenes she was smoking a cigarette, which obviously left the version uh, for, because of the cigarette. Uh, this, I think there was a long um, a version where he was training her to kill people, which left the first version as well. And he, Eric was very busy. Luke was prepping uh, the fifth element. So he said, Well, we'll find somebody who can do a music like uh, like Eric could do, and you know, find some, some music, record it, and I'll come back. We we'll watch it together and we we'll see. So that was also. Um, uh, that that was also a, a big um, a big collaboration that was very interesting to just put back what we had and make it bit, bit bigger and better just to um, have the long version. So, so therefore, I don't have any regrets of anything because I, it it is in one one version anyway.
0: Mm. Well, I was going to ask about the the different versions because we've both seen the original and the director's cut now. Sort of did a little comparison of the two, and I think you do get a lot more of the characters in the director's cut of the film. But it's rare these days, even then, you have the chance to go back and do a fuller version of the film to tell the full story, which is a blessing, really, whenever you can do that sort of thing. But just learning that from you there—that sort of you were given the reins to do it, but obviously you did that test screening in orange county you mentioned and then then you made the cuts was there anything in the original version that didn't make the director's cut if you know what i mean like obviously you no. cut it down for that was so that was basically what the orange county theater saw more or less
2: yeah hmm. yeah because then at one point when you it, it's always uh, I mean, some some scenes left uh, i mean they obviously uh, all left the version just be- because of uh probably a Moral uh, problem about how to have a kid trying to kill people have a kid smoking and then a young kids to an older man, you know, she wants to have him as a as the as his lover, but it, it was not uh, the way it was written. It's more to say that probably the kid is not Matilda, but it's Leon uh, and and that's why, uh, you know, we we didn't see it that way, but obviously um it was very important that the film was will be received by every you know every kind of uh, moviegoer that will enjoy it and not be uncomfortable watching something that actually put you out of the film, um, and also it was uh, you know a, a big challenge for me and and, and Luke to uh, to build a, a solid uh, relationship with uh, the studio. Mm-hmm. But that was a very interesting experience because we in French we 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 do that now, but certainly not at the time. Do test screening. I mean, you screen it to people you know and your friends or you know people who can help you to make your film better, but not like an audience you don't know about and what they would say. And, and so that that was an interesting. that that, that was actually painful to hear that entire cinema giggling when they were, uh, in, you know, on that scene. I mean, we were like, wow, we knew how long was the scene. So it was quite intense to get through it.
1: Hmm. And do you have a preference of the two cuts? Like, do you prefer the longer cut now looking back at it?
2: Well, I haven't seen it for a while. So um, I, I think like, like you said that uh, Character-wise, uh, it is interesting to get a little bit deeper into uh, both of them, and probably uh, this is probably the version I would prefer. But it's it's a it's a huge it's a huge uh, difference. But in a way, the other version, the shorter one, because. We have edited it long and then cut it. Uh, I uh, we have that in our mind, so it doesn't. You know, we know why she's like that, and we know why he is like that. So, so if, even if she doesn't say it um in the shorter version, it's built into her character and his character. So.
0: And in terms of editing the film itself, maybe not so much the director's cut, but the main the main portion of the film. What was the collaborative process like with Luke? Was he in the editing bay with you going through stuff or was it more finalizing towards the end? What was that like?
2: Well, it's it, Luke has a very uh, intelligent way to work. He, he knows where to get out to breathe some fresh air and mm. uh, he knows what he wants. So basically it's a it's a collaboration that uh, were different on uh, the three movies we cut together and he he knows exactly what he wants. So and he likes editing. I mean, not a lot of director like to you know, stand by you and and wait. And but we it was very. Um, uh, he 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 was really into um, looking at the dailies, and you know then discussing choosing takes and you know let's try this, try that. Um, uh, and and so therefore, yes, is one of the directors that are involved um, along the process. But if you if you think about the fact that he is also operating the camera, you know, he's you know, he knows his days. He know and he knows that better than anybody what what the actor has delivered because he has also the the the, the memory of what he, he did. You know, when he's you know, holding the camera next to the the actor, so. He, I think he works the same way for each process of the film.
1: We interrupt this program to bring you a special report.
2: Calling
0: all agents. Keeping the lights on at SpyHards HQ ain't cheap. And frankly,
1: Nora's feeding the school of attack piranhas. So we need your help. Roger that, Scott. Only at the Spy Hearts Patreon can you gain access to exclusive shows like Agents in the Field, which tackles non-spy films starring your favorite spy icons, and The Debrief, where we channel our inner solitaires and predict how the big spy movie news of today will impact tomorrow. So make like a
0: Treadstone agent and activate your Patreon membership at patreon.com
1: slash today, Cam, Tell the people what we have in our sights this week. Catch up now with our November offerings, including reviews of The Bodyguard and Cowboys and Aliens, plus the debrief where we reviewed the new James Bond reality show, 007 Road to a Million. Did Eon strike gold this time? Find out.
0: But before this message self destructs, Cam, resume
1: the spy chinks. Was there any element or sequence of the professional that was the most difficult to edit like the toughest one to kind of like navigate or figure out
2: No I just I just not really um I just remember that uh when he was shooting so I was assembling uh s- s- scenes when he was uh, shooting in Paris because I was on, on next to the set in Paris and the SWAT attack took so long to shoot that you know it was they were doing a meter a day probably to you know in that hallway with yeah. the SWAT team <laughs> up until uh, the the um, obviously the 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 building blowing up was shot already because they shot it in, in New York they shot all the exterior uh, Matilda's apartment uh, the DEA building uh all in New York, but the entire Leon uh, apartment was in Paris. The beginning of the story was the the big guy that is killed uh, is in Paris as well. So, but that that, that Swartz attack that led to that big explosion was so long that, you, you know, you, you really built it like a step at a time. So you can't really have a vision. Uh, I, I don't remember. I think I'm saying... I think it's probably two weeks shooting. I, it, we, they were exhausted and there was a not con- con- bear to go back. And then at one point, there is water everywhere. I mean, it, it was <laughs> it was war. It was a war. So that one was a huge, uh, a huge, very exciting, but a you, a, a, yeah, a very big process. I know.
0: Does that sort of like snail's pace version of shooting? sort of give you issues with continuity sometimes because mm-hmm. they, they, they get that all locked down
2: that's funny that you're talking about continuity because also in that movie I had the the, the, the opportunity and the pleasure and the luck to meet um, uh, the script supervisor Sylvette Baudreau who I think now she's 94 and she had worked with uh, Hitchcock she had worked with Jack Tati, uh, she was, I mean, she's she, she, she still actually sometimes she working and even now, uh, but she's an amazing um, uh, script supervisor and the continuity issue n- never bothered. We, we had a, I mean, you, you, we had a funny um, way of seeing things with Luke, like, Sometimes you know you you know there are not a continuity, but if you don't see it, you know first mm-hmm. time, then it means that it works. I mean, you can sometimes see some um, equipment parts like uh, that are cables that still are in the picture, and at that time you can't erase everything because the, the 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 you couldn't do that, and it's still in the film, and you know if you don't see it once, then you' we'll never see it. So we didn't really care. But there was never a problem of continuity at all. It was very methodic anyway. So,
1: Right. And I want to ask you about action because the professional is highly regarded among action fans. And you continue and do things like The Fifth Element and The Messenger as well doing action. And when I look at a lot of action in movies it's not very well edited or it isn't particularly well shot. And that has never been an issue in any of your work. So I'm really curious, like kind of your approach to action and like, do you have like a approach? Is it just intuitive? What is it about editing action that makes it so impactful?
2: Well, I think that uh, the way I see it is if you can't really follow the movements, if you can't really, if, if it's just a, a lot of cuts just to make, which will work, you you just like movements, Uh, then uh, if you can't really follow what the people are doing, therefore follow the actors, then the action doesn't really matter. It's just a big movement. It's work. It's a kind of a ride. And I think the difference in between uh, the two, the, 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 the action films that are differently cut is that my approach is like okay if i understand i mean if i'm if i'm actually fighting with the, the actors then i think it's a good way of doing it mm-hmm. because you 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 are involving this, the 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 people with the action and not just being uh passive and look at it
1: mhm like do you find it you know when you watch films as an editor do you find it frustrating watching films where the editing doesn't kind of match necessarily what you would go for like do you get pulled out of movies through editing
2: No, if i do if if i'm if i'm pulled out of a movie it's like because i don't like the film whether it's good or not and otherwise i never look at a film when i am in the theater like Mm. oh i would do this sometimes i'm like um, astonished by some editings that are amazing i'm like wow but i like the film first and you know, whether it's well edited, not well edited, if, if I'm not pulling out of it, it's just because I the film is really well done. And I can't really look at films like thinking, only if I like really something, then I go back and watch it. It's like, wow, how did they, they did this? But otherwise, no. Um,
1: right. So I was curious if you go into almost like problem solver mode, like, wait a second, I would have considered doing this instead
2: no i don't think oh, and it's so so it's such a huge work to edit that um um no, I, i'm not thinking i could do it better the way that you know it's being done mm-hmm. and being respectful of what the other editor does <laughs> yeah, for sure knowing where, where what what path we follow sometimes so
0: <laughs> and just sort of Wrapping up my questions about Leon, one of the last ones I had, is just sort of getting your thoughts on the finished film, uh, let's say the director's cut, it's your preferred cut. And so what, maybe what is your favourite moment from the film?
2: I like a lot the, feel, the moment where she uh, is um, smoking a cigarette um, on the staircase and he comes back. I like that moment. I love the moment where Gary is... Cracking is the pillar in uh, on the top shot, <laughs> um, um, well, those two moments are I really like them. Oh, I, I like oh for another reason. I, of course I like the sweat attack and all the energy that comes out of it, uh, and 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 I love the moment when she no- knocks at the door and she's crying uh, uh, when she says, "Please open the door." Uh, I think I still am in contact with the emotion I had when while cutting it. So, uh, yeah, I like that moment too. But there are many moments in that film that I really love. I love the moment when she's trying to, um, she's been making a game and, and it's just uh, being Madonna and just like changing and uh, playing with Leon. But it probably, were well, probably those three first um, moments I talked about are my favorite ones.
1: Were you surprised at the response to the movie? Because it was one that did reasonably well, but has become a very, very well-regarded film. Like, did you see it when you were looking at the finished product? Did you have a sense that this could really pick, take off or no?
2: No, no, we were I um, mean, we're all crossing fingers that it will work, and it did. And and actually, to be really honest, it's quite pleasant and quite rare uh, that when you when in your career when you say, "Oh, I've." Because this film and this film, people react to it like you're, like, oh wow! And it's so great because it's, it's you know, it's, there is not a lot of movie that are that successful. Sometimes it, we don't know why because some films are very good and they don't work. And but I uh, know I I I, mean, uh, I didn't know I was really uh, uh, I was I think still flying uh, after the I was exhausted but really. Um, really amazed that we went through the film, we loved it, and it was so great, but you never really know if it's going to work
1: right. or not. Of course, yeah. And when you moved into, like, the fifth element, did that feel like a, like, bigger project, or did it just kind of feel like moving into the next project?
2: Oh, it feels like it was huge. Well, we, we went to Pinewood shooting. Uh, the entire Pinewood sets were dedicated to uh, the Fifth Element. A digital domain crew came to, from LA to London. Uh, the DP, the set designer, the uh, personal assistant, I, my assistant, with the French, the French part of the team. Uh, we were all there, so it was uh, and and we were I was cutting what they were shooting, working with a, an American crew uh, for the visual effects and and it was you know uh, a digital domain so not not just one visual effects house, just the visual effects house um well they they the I think they blown a bit of the O07 set while the, with the big, big explosion. So mm-hmm. that, that was a huge, 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 No, know, it was not just moving into another project. <laughs> it was like another challenge.
1: And um, that one, um, did the nature of kind of like the collaborative relationship with Luke Besson change between doing the professional and then doing the fifth element or, you know, moving into like the messenger?
2: Well, it, it, it's 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 like just relationships. You know, you, you know each other. You know the a good part of a person, the best part of, or the wrong part, or the not so good part of. A, we, we try. We start to you. You start to know the person and how to um, how to go faster. And that that was um, you know we started to have quite a, a long relationship. Uh, so it was probably easier to propose things and, you know, why could we do that? And also the the process uh, of the fifth settlement was very interesting because we were screening dailies at lunchtime. On Léon, it was on the evening, so it was a little bit different. And also it's, it's something we don't do now anymore, which I regret sometimes. But so it makes at lunch break. We were meeting every day in the screening room to watch the dailies in 35. And that was very uh good because we could you know i could say to, to look why well, we've seen this uh, i've started to put something together if you have time come back and and that was um uh, that was really great to put myself in the shoes you already know and do another path with it if i can have the image so um yeah the the you know which music, trying music, proposing things, and you you go a little bit further, and, mm-hmm. you know, because you're more more, a, more confident and and uh, and ab- about what the director. Were. But it was the same for every director I worked with over a few few films. Mm-hmm. But... And
1: with you're dealing with like a lot of effects in this movie in The Fifth Element. Just the process of editing, where you obviously don't have a lot of those visuals on screen, did that change the way you're editing the film, or was it more difficult to kind of see the whole picture?
2: Well, it it was uh, uh, interesting, and and once again, it it was a few years from now, and and so the visual effects. Comp- I mean, the, even even the 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 first. Uh, way of saying okay well there is a there will be two cars for chasing each other um well you don't have anything because the world didn't exist the car sometimes the on the shot didn't exist and basically what we had to first cut so that's quite an experience and uh, had a, a blue a blue uh, square and a red one and they were chasing each other so that would give us okay what is the speed we need how long the shot should be although um each shot was timed and bid so we knew that we when we were not allowed to have that shot longer than let's say two seconds and a half uh so it was all a balance just to put together so we had the shots before the shot after and then they gave me that you know squares following each other when we were sure about the lengths and they start to move on to the next step and so it's it was a long process so yes of course it, it it is it is quite different to uh to to cut you you have to have to use a lot your imagination thinking you know the blue car will be a real car i mean it will be the police car and uh, so so uh, and also when she jumps out you know there is a green uh a, a green background, so she jump into a green pool. Uh, so, yeah, it's um, uh, and it and of course, again, even if it was after uh, the the Leon and the the Avid system had made tremendous uh, evolutions uh, at that time, we couldn't do what we are able to do now, which you know, replace the green screen ourselves just to see how it goes and. So um, it was a really big collaboration in in between Mark Stetson crew and and, and the editing and myself um, to follow. Uh, Also, we had kind of a tight schedule because uh, of all the visual effects and also because we knew we were going to go to Cannes to do the opening on the 50th uh, anniversary of the Cannes Film Festival. So there was a triple challenge (laughs) in there.
1: with the messenger, was this did this feel like a challenge unto itself dealing with you know you've just had an effects film and now you're moving into very, very large scale action filmmaking? Did that feel like a significant adjustment as well?
2: yeah, well it, it, the good thing about all those three movies is that they are very different and and it, it, it and it is true that i that this is one of my DNA. I love to do things that, you know, uh, well, with Luke, it's always big anyway. So in that matter, it doesn't really change a lot. I mean, the ambition is really big and it's you know, pulling further and further um, what he could do, but um, the genre of the movie are very different. And I think one nourished the, 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 the other one and, and Yes, you have to deal with especially you were talking about action scene. I mean, there is a lot of action scene, and it was easy to make a big mess about all those people fighting. If you don't follow who is fighting who, and you can't feel for who my God is going to kill the other one, or is going to be killed, then yes, you go through the ride, but you don't feel anything more than just being a ride. And that was, I mean, I don't remember how many. Extras they had on that huge battle scene, but it was enormous, and they were shooting in the Czech Republic, in the middle of nowhere. I went there once for a weekend just to see Luke, but it was a kind of a journey to, to get there, and I think they spent like I don't remember, a month or two, maybe maybe three, I don't remember, in that mud place, you know, in Czech Republic. <laughs> it was it was war itself, I think. <laughs>
1: Did you have a favorite of the three collaborations you've got, like of these three films? Is there one that you look back the most proudly on?
2: Well, uh, you know, you always remember your first time. Sure. There's nothing I will be able to do against that, although I love all three of them. Um uh, Léon is, 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 well, it's my film in my heart anyway, for many, 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 many reasons. The first one being it's, it was my first feature and in a huge experience. The fifth element uh, brought me to work really closely with amazing uh, people in, in L.A., like the, the mixing um, crew was uh, really incredible. Chris Jenkins was this, the mixer. It's like, I don't know how many Oscars he has and just has the, an Oscar for the last of the Mohican. is one of the best um, mixer I've ever met. And we're still friends. I mean, the good thing about all those stories I'm t- t- telling you is I'm, I'm still really close to all those people I work with. Uh, including women, you know the, the, I worked in where you are in Vancouver uh, my crews are very important and the fifth element. I had a big crew uh, at that time we were still conforming the, the 35 millimeters, so I had a huge crew to to uh, to manage uh, and I think it's also one of the great experience is to share uh you know, your creativity with all those people. Uh, And I really was lucky to have uh, uh, incredible crews. Mm
1: -hmm. And you bring it up, Catwoman. My friend Parv is a massive fan of that movie, and she would kill me if I did not ask you just any memories you had of editing Catwoman.
2: Um, Editing Catwoman was very interesting. Um, So we were in Vancouver, discovered Vancouver, and editing-wise... Um, it was the first time I started to edit before principal photography. Mm. And the fairies will scene, uh, uh, um, I started to cut it before so they could know what they would like and which shot they will use because it was all CGI. Mm I mean, they they did it all in CGI. And and so... um, that was quite interesting to work with, you know, seven camera for each action you had, and say, okay, I can do it that way. So that was um, that was a, a great um, moment. Um, being close to the set is always very interesting because all the the, the scene with the 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 Aliberry double um, and all the Capoeira move uh, were very interesting to work on. I was quite funny to, you know, make the moves and pretend it was Ali Berry doing all of them, and 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 that was very uh, very interesting. Um, yeah, that 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 film was also very intense because we we had to to we had the release date very really shortly after the end of principal photography, and there were some scenes. Mm-hmm that were cut where we were in Vancouver and finally the student decided to put it back but we were in LA so they had to rebuild the set and because we were in tight schedule they'll say rebuild the set in LA and uh, um, it's actually it's the the scene where she goes to the neighbor who is making at the beginning who is making a lot of noise and just blow some beer i don't remember exactly what she does but so that was that scene and because we were on a tight schedule i had to go on the set with my laptop and cut and it was again shot in 35 so at that time i was feeding my computer with the 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 camera Mm -hmm. doing a, a small cut and at the end of the day send the cut to my assistant who would conform with dailies that were coming back the next morning. So we had kind of a, and so that was an interesting um, uh, an in- interesting way of working uh, on Catwoman. And also I was uh, on the lot in Warner Brother after we finished principal photography. So that was also something very uh, uh, interesting to have everybody you know the sound crew was there the music uh, was the composer was there with us so we we, we we had a huge crew I had seven assistants so that that, that, that was uh, even bigger than the ones uh, I've done before because with Luke it was what they call the neck pickup but Catwoman was a real studio movie Mm -hmm. So there was executive, which I've never seen on Leon before, the the head of the studio were going to see the movie, coming to see the movies, but not, you know, not in the middle of the process there was really working in the studio way. So, and that was pretty new for me.
1: Right. Because, yeah, that's a movie that's part of their strategy, right? For their season of they are opening this movie, it needs to be big. So there's going to be a lot more attention versus something like Leon. Yeah.
0: Well, in terms of sort of questions I have left to sort of wrap us up, the first one I love to ask anyone I have on the show who's worked in films, because you know we've spoken about some of the bigger films you've been attached to, like The Fifth Element, Catwoman, Leon, of course, the film we're talking about this week. But just from your massive filmography of films you've edited, is there something that you've worked on that maybe doesn't get the love of those films I mentioned that you think people should check out?
2: Well. There is a film, I mean, there are many of them. I mean, some of them are French and, you know, they don't get out of France because it's sure. French movies. So uh, there is a film I worked on that was um, directed by Meno Meyes. And uh, again, I was really lucky to work with two amazing actors because it was Penelope Cruz and Adrian Brody. Uh, and and it, so, so that, that film has different title, it's called The, um, uh, the Mistress, uh, and well, in Europe it came out as Manolete, which is a story of a bullfighter, a very famous bullfighter, um, that was at the time of uh, Ava Gardner You know, and all that part of the Hollywood going to uh, to Spain and watch bullfights, and so Uh, for many reasons that film uh, didn't really get through at all. I think it's probably principally because it it is talking about Mm bullfight, but the, the 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 actors are so good; it's really beautiful. And it could have, you know, had a little bit more exposure. Uh, also, the the we had one version that probably was better than what was released because the the post production of that film was quite long, and we lost some some money and lost some part of the movie. So, but that one, I re, I mean, probably the I mean, I I like it a lot because I had a, a great fun doing it, and and you know when in my job when you have so amazing actors like those two and you're the one and it's so great uh, to it's really a change it's changed the way you work
0: and I follow that up with if if there's any aspiring editors listening film editors to the show or, or filmmakers what sort of advice would you have for them people getting started in the industry
2: well I would say uh uh hang on because it's quite sometimes quite, <laughs> it's quite difficult and probably uh hang on, on in, in in the fact that don't don't forget your dreams i mean mm-hmm. still dream but it. it's it is a very peculiar work it's uh, it's it's quite it's, it's, it's quite a blessing to be able to work make a living of something re- you really love and you know nowadays not that not, not that uh easy and, and But then, you know, you have ideas and there are so many films that could have been made and are not. And so, yeah, hang on, you know, don't don't give up Uh, and, and also don't forget to criticize yourself all the time. I mean, where in my job, it's like constantly keeps, you know, watching and watching and how can I make that better? Is it good enough? I have a take the right take. Is it working? And that that is sometimes you can lose yourself in that process. So I think like hang on and criticize yourself. Don't think you've like, you know, pull out some maybe a piece of art and keep going, making it as much as you can, the best thing you had in mind. So yeah, that's probably the advice I would give. It makes
0: sense. It must be one of the toughest jobs in terms of filmmaking is being edited because you have to sit, just sit there and watch the same section of a film repeatedly till you till you've worked it to the point of it being you know finalized and perfect or as close as you can get to perfection. Like it's amazing that you can go back and watch some of these films afterwards, but surely you've seen it so many times. It's 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 a wonder.
2: Yeah, well, we don't. I mean, I don't really watch them afterwards. When sometimes it goes on TV, I'm like, oh, yes. And some actually, the other day, I was uh, the fifth element was there, and I've seen it, you know, of course, over the years. But and I thought, oh, I watch it for five minutes. I was, oh, yeah. And and I ended up watching it up until the end. I was like, wow, that was quite quite fun. (laughs) (laughs) So, So so yeah, well yeah you know you kind of you tend to forget what you've done and just like, and it's like, oh yeah, dear, oh yeah, we did it that way it's 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 great, so um, but the funny thing about editing is like, yes, you watch the scenes and the shots and the cuts over and over again, but it's always with a perspective, uh, so I don't say that sometimes you're not tired watching it but but you look at it in an, each time with a different um point of view what you're looking for what is is that scene works with the others is that cut works in the uh, now in the scene and it keeps moving all the time so yes it's a it is always the same but in a way not really and so it's quite um well my son is thinks i'm crazy it was like, he was like was watching that thing again because uh, you know after school sometimes he goes to the editing room so he knows the film i'm working on I'm like "You're still working on that scene what are you doing i've seen it last week and i'm like yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's that level of perfectionism that gave us films like The Fifth Element and uh, Leon the Professional, so you can't complain with that sort of record. The last question I have for you, and this has been asked to everyone that's been a guest on the show. We talk about spy movies every week. Leon is kind of on the cusp of espionage, I suppose. Not fully, but it's kind of there. It's in the pocket. The question I'll put to you, Sylvie, is... In the pantheon of spy movies, what is your favorite spy movie of all time?
2: Well, that's a really hard question. I have to say, it's like two weeks. I'm like, okay, I have to give an answer, but I like this and I like that, and I ended up okay, like just make a choice and just say a title. And uh, so the title I've chosen in in amongst all the films I liked a lot is "The Life of the Others."
1: Mm, yeah, that's a popular choice. A lot of people really love that movie a lot. Oh, yeah.
2: okay, so you see, <laughs> yeah,
1: no, that's a great pick for sure. What is it about that one that jumps out to you?
2: Oh, I think it's uh, psychologically, it's very scary. It, it, it is. Uh, it, it deals with a lot of elements of spy that you know are very scary. Also, politically, I think it's very interesting. Uh, knowing that it exists. Of course, I like a lot of, you know, amazing uh, other films, but I'll stick to one. Otherwise, I give you like a long list of films I like.
0: <laughs> to be fair, some have given us lists, and I, I, I'm all for it. It's fine. I, I love love of spy movies because that's why we're here. But I want to thank you, Sylvie, for taking the time to take us through Lyon uh, and the films you've given us because we've had a great time talking about the film this week, and I'm sure people for the last, you know, 20 or so maybe 30 years i think it's been since it came out have had a great time watching leon i can only thank you for that
2: well thank you for inviting me i had a really great pleasure to talk to you about all those things i mean it's the ages so um thank you and well, i hope um, you know people will uh, watch again leon
0: <laughs> the pleasure is absolutely ours i can assure you of that but sylvie thank you very much yes thank you <clears throat> Well, there you go, folks. That was our chat with Sylvie Landra. I want to thank Sylvie once again for taking the
1: time to speak with us. Cam, over to you. What did you think of the chat? This was a really delightful interview because I think sometimes when we talk to people who are involved behind the scenes on films, sometimes it's tough to communicate kind of the realities of what the job actually entails. And I think Sylvie did a fantastic job not only communicating like her own experiences working on movies like Leon and The Fifth Element, but also explaining kind of the daily work that comes with being an editor and the processes you go through to assemble a finished film.
0: Absolutely. And I think one thing that's been really important for me in the process of making 150 episodes of Spy Hards is learning. Personally, about how films are made. I mean, before that I was a lover of film, but I never really studied film. I never really looked at sort of what the roles in the credits that I used to look at in films did a lot of the time. I knew I had an idea of what an editor was, but I think through doing interviews with people now, I'm slowly starting to build a picture of how integral these roles are to creating some of our favorite films. And it was an absolute delight speaking with Sylvie just to get an understanding of what her job in the film was and how crucial it was to getting that finished product that we all know and love
1: yeah and i mean the movie leon the professional is very highly regarded among action fans for its very memorable set pieces and just hearing her talk about the geography of staging action and how to edit that you know i'm sure for her it somewhat comes natural like because you know you watch her work it's very clear she knows how to edit action very very well And I really enjoyed just hearing her explain like kind of the psychological process that goes into editing action scenes, what you're trying to get across in an action scene. And it's something we see (laughs) often in short supply in action movies. Now, I feel like I am way more cognizant now of movies with bad action editing than I ever was growing up watching movies in the 80s and 90s, where I feel like there was at least a more base level understanding as to how to communicate action.
0: Yeah, I I don't know when the sort of tide changed with all of this. I don't know when or why we started becoming lazier, not only as, I guess, filmmakers, although we aren't filmmakers, but as audiences in a way. I think we're willing to accept a lot less when it comes to craftsmanship, when it comes to films. As you mentioned, sort of those sort of 80s, like canon films, you know, know, B-movie, small budget stuff. But it always felt like there was a bit
1: of heart to it. Yeah. Yeah. And just like that the action was coherent when you saw it. Mm -hmm. Like you didn't sit through a lesser Charles Bronson action film or something like that and be like, I have no idea what I just saw. Like that was so confusing to watch. Could you tell
0: me what was happening in the action set pieces at the end of Shang-Chi? Because I couldn't. No, I hadn't got a clue. It was a mess. And I think a lot of that, personally, is more to do with sort of computer effects and things like that. Or over-reliance and over-reliance on things being done in post-production and, and mm. instead of trying to capture it in, you know, on film. Not that many people use film anymore. But I think that is kind of leading us back into the the chat with Sylvie. I think that's really a craft that she honed very early on with working with Luke because he demanded that in a sense. He's very practical, hands-on filmmaker as she spoke about. He's holding the camera a lot of the time. He understands the shot he's making and he understands what the finished product of that shot will be. And by process of you know working through that process, Sylvie then learnt from him. As to how these things are put together. And I think it's a, in terms of a film school, it's a pretty good filmmaker
1: to work with. Yeah. And also, Besson had directed Le Femme Nikita, you know, previous to doing The Professional. And that is also highly regarded as an action film. He's just someone who I think has a good understanding of action. And it reminds me a little bit of when we talked to Paul Hirsch about Mission Impossible. And he had worked with of course Brian De Palma for a long time someone who is also a very meticulous filmmaker and that whether it's Mission Impossible whether it is um The Professional these are movies that I think had a very clear vision from the director that then the editor was be able was able to run with
0: well, there's a I, and again I think what's sort of drifting off into other things but there's a physical weight to a lot of these older films that we're talking about even you know mission impossible and leon the professional and 90s films yeah but you lose a lot of that practical weight in terms of like when you get to the computer effects a lot of the time and so you there's something something tangible about mm-hmm. older films that you could feel yourself in the scene even with like Bananas sci-fi. It's like two thousand one, a Space Odyssey. There's still a very grounded reality to it, and it feels like something that could happen. As soon as we started getting CG everywhere, it just lost lost a lot of weight to it, and it felt like an uncanny valley sort of feeling. Which I think, again, I know we're sort of straying away from editing, but in terms of coherence, and maybe my sentence isn't very coherent, but I, I think you lose a lot of that coherence when you have a reliance on things that aren't there.
1: I think it's just, you know, CG is a tool and some use it better than others. Because Mm -hmm. I can look at The Fifth Element, which Sylvie also edited. That had some, you know, CG going on. And I just Mm -hmm. think, like, Luc Besson understands effects quite well. You know, she didn't work on Valerian, which he directed as well. But um, that's a movie that's wall-to-wall CG. But he just clearly understands how to use the tools. So I I think that's the thing. It's often a case where filmmakers are working in heavy CG territory, and they really don't know how to, uh, you know, stage it very well.
0: No. And something I wanted to bring up, which is uh, a a small topic we had during the conversation was about the different edits of the film, as she is the editor. Yeah. Now, I, I think I originally saw the director's cut, and then you recently saw the original, the cinematic print, I guess you would call it.
1: And I was the flip side of that, yeah.
0: Right. And it's, it's interesting hearing that basically the, the life that it went through is the, the film was screened in what is now known as the director's cut, chopped down to the cinematic release, and then basically restored back to the director's original vision with, uh, by the sounds of it, Sylvie all by herself. Right, yeah. Putting that together, yeah. So that's, that's interesting that, and as I said, it's not many directors that get to do that. I still will say that I think the director's
1: cut is pretty much the premium version of this film. I would agree with that. Although, like, she was very proud of both versions. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing with the movie The Professional. North America saw The Professional, as it was just called initially, and it was the shorter version, the hour and 50 minute. And it got a really positive response. People really liked the movie. Um, It got a lot of great reviews. And it's a movie that has had a legacy in that cut in North America, uh, especially. And it's not a case of something like Kingdom of Heaven, where Ridley Scott put out the kind of cut down version, the two and a half hour. It got a very poor response. And then he went back and put together the three plus hour, which a lot of people really loved. The Professional, either version you watch, both of them were received very well. So it's kind of a case of like, you can be proud of both of them and I think really support both because clearly they both work.
0: No, I I agree. I think they do both work. I think it's just interesting that much as Leon is always held up as a very good action film, I think where it also works very well is its characters. Mm-hmm. And I think the extra 20 or so minutes you get from the director's cut is all about character. There is no additional action scenes yeah. that are that are put back in. It is all people just talking to one another. And much as maybe the streamlined version is more of an action flick, I think adding the extra 20, 25 minutes or whatever it is gives you a bit more of a character study of both you know, Leon and Matilda. And I think that adds a little bit more flavor to the finished product, personally speaking. But I'm glad that Sylvie and, I guess, in a sense, Luke got to have their original vision out there in the end. And I think that is now, when you're renting it online and stuff like that, that is the version that
1: most of the time you can get
0: before you can get the original cut.
1: Mm, yeah here in north america it's actually the hour 50 oh wow version is the one that's on say netflix or if you search it on amazon that's the one that's going to come up first but oh. on amazon both of them are available
0: sure uh but anything else you wanted to highlight cam
1: um i just thought it was really interesting hearing her talk about like the evolving relationship she had with luke Basson over the three movies they made and how each movie really was very different, which is something I hadn't really thought about before doing the research for this episode, but hearing her talk about the process of doing The Professional, something very character grounded, and you know, working with a young uh, actor in Natalie Portman, um, and then moving on to like this big space opera in The Fifth Element, and dealing with CG, where she's talking about all the processes they had in terms of communicating the effects that they had to edit with, which were unfinished. I thought that was all fascinating to hear. And then going into the messenger where suddenly you have these grand scale action scenes, kind of the, you know, gladiator style armies clashing kind of stuff and trying to find the geography and get across these big action scenes in the edit. I just thought it was really interesting the way that like each movie she did was so drastically different from one another in terms of the kind of the demands on the editor
0: it it must have been and i said that you know working with luke was a pretty good film school just looking at those three actually is it, probably the best film school you could have had mm-hmm. because in terms of like genre hopping it's mostly all there, apart from like a i don't know a light romantic comedy so i i feel like she probably got her reps in with those three films and then went on to have a very successful career afterwards and i'm glad she still has a relationship with everyone she worked with back there because i think working with luke and the rest of the team set her up very well No,
1: I agree. And just also, one thing I thought was fascinating was hearing her talk about learning the Avid editing system uh, being very early out of the gate in the professional situation, um, Mm -hmm. where that was a new system that definitely took the industry completely over. You know, Avids became the de facto means of editing from that point forward. And I mean, just hearing her talk about kind of the uh, technical glitches and dealing with like how do we do this? We have to learn this new process kind of on the go as we're putting this movie together. I thought it was just really, really interesting and something that I had not at all considered when I was considering the time period of the movie, you know, when I'm writing my questions for the interview.
0: Well, you just got to contextualize it in a different respect. You know, think about, say, when we were doing our first episode. I was very fortunate in a sense that I'd done a little bit of work on radio and you had done years and years of podcasting so we had some reps in the departments that were somewhat necessary Hmm. whereas imagine we'd gone it completely fresh and they'd also said oh and by the way your first episode is denise richards sure yeah I mean, I was tripping over my words in that episode anyway. So that was after almost three years of podcasting. So could you imagine what day one Scott with no experience would have been like?
1: (laughs) And then also imagine if uh, the means of which we record the podcast were changed for that episode as well. And you had never edited an episode in your entire life.
0: That too, yeah. Yeah, that uh, that sounds like a nightmare in the making.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, let's
0: never live that nightmare. No, no, we shall not. But, you know, as an aside... You've made it to the end of this week. I want to thank everyone uh, for tuning in to 150 main episodes of Spy Hearts. Uh, It's been an absolute pleasure being on the airwaves for over three years with you now, uh, with you now, Cam, with you all listening. And uh, thank you all for coming on this journey. We're not going anywhere. There are hundreds more spy films to talk about in our future, and uh, we
1: can't wait to keep, uh, keep on trucking, really. Just think about the journey we've been on. We've tackled... A lot of the Bonds. We've done the Jason Bourne's. We've looked at crazy stuff like Condor Man the Little Drummer Girl. One of our dinosaurs is missing. God knows what else. And I can only imagine what the future holds as well.
0: I mean, you and I are the only two people that have any vision on the film list. And we have left some absolute corkers for the next 150 and probably 150 after that too. So yeah, there's a lot to look forward to here on SpyHards. A lot more interviews, I'm sure, coming your way too. But Cam, the question goes to you, sir. As always, for three years, what have we got coming up next week?
1: Yes, we have a very special Spy Master interview, and it is a big one, folks. We are joined by director Lee Tamahori to talk all about the production of 2002's Pierce Brosnan Bond film, Die Another Day. We are so thrilled to bring you our chat with Mr. Lee Tamahori. We had the
0: thrill of speaking with director John Glenn a couple of years ago at the festive season about his work on the Bond films. So having the opportunity to speak to another Bond director is a total pleasure and we think you're going to love it just as much as we enjoyed putting it together. So your mission, folks, should you choose to accept it, is to join us next week as we speak to the man behind Die Another Day, Mr. Lee Tamahori. And if you liked what you heard on this episode, please consider leaving us a five-star review wherever you are listening to this podcast. And do not forget to follow us discreetly, as always, on social media at SpyHards, that's S-P-Y-H-A-R-D-S on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. But until next time, listeners, Cam and I will be celebrating 150 episodes of SpyHards with a tall glass of milk.